Finish it! Finish it! Won't deliver us from evil! <laughs> Yeah, if Marissa Tomei's character doesn't pray the Our Father, I'm done. I'm done with Marvel. As if the Eternals wasn't enough hey. of a blow to my ego. You know what I like to do? Not talk about that at all. Nope. Eternals sucked. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to see it. No. Stop it. No. It there has is Kamel nothing. Nanjiani and I, lo- I love him. No. And I have liked him for a long time. Who? And, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to love him in the four and a half seconds he's in the movie. Yay. Really? He's not in it that long? No, I mean, okay, so here's the problem, and I, I don't even need to reveal anything about the plot. There's like 500 of them. How are you going to get character development for all 500? They try. Yeah, John Snow. But John Snow and uh, um, what's his name? Yeah, you get three seconds of John Snow. So dumb. Uh, what about uh, uh, King of the North? You know, Stark. <laughs> well, he's hot, so you get plenty of him. That's true. I hate. What is worst Marvel movies top three? Um, you know what? I'm not going to go Dark World with this because I freaking think it's a good movie. Dark World has grown on me. I like Dark World. I will fight you on this. Okay, number one. So, what's the worst one then? <sighs> I'm thinking. I got okay. Honestly, I think mm, no, because there are parts of it that I like. I don't know. Okay, okay. I I will. Okay, I'm. I'm okay, you go first. Okay, okay. So okay, okay. Who am I, Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Worst movie of all the Marvel franchise, starting at the absolute worst. My number one is Marvel's Eternals. Really? Without even a close second. Okay, I, I genuinely don't want you to tell me I'm why. I'm not going to. Okay, because I, I want to see it. I want to see it in the theater. I have not been to a theater since March. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah. Okay. Have I seen the movie now? <laughs> I wanted to say that, but then I thought, no, that's saying too much. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't. But you almost have. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty close. <laughs> I uh yeah I've read I've read some things I haven't really read a lot I um you know you know how it is with oh yeah life. oh yeah Luke oh just the worst hey I got a quick update mm-hmm. now that now that you want so here's mine Eternals Thor two Captain Marvel that's my three worst that's it okay I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to pick I'm just gonna have to pick yeah. I'm just gonna have to pick and then I'll tell you the thing Thor two Captain Marvel. Sorry, sorry. Iron Man two, Captain Marvel. Mm. Um, I don't know. There, there are parts of each film that I like. Right. Like Thor two is, I, I get it, but it's so pretty. But True. Thor, okay. But Thor two, like when Thor two is pretty, it's one of the best looking Marvel films. I think. Yeah. I think it's. I love some of the, the palette in it, and parts of it great. I'm not gonna bash a movie with Rene Russo. Okay. Uh, oh gosh. I can't do it, man. Okay. I like Rene Russo. Well, let me say this. Let me say this. The most convoluted movie. Like, Marvel's a complex beast, even though it shouldn't be because it's an amusement park. But the, um, whatchamacallit, the uh, Avengers 2 Rise of Ultron has the most convoluted plot, but it still is a good movie. Like, you're like, oh, you're trying to do too much. You get a little out of control, but still good. Part of me... 
thinks that they might go down the TV route, which I don't know if I want that or not. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Because I just think you can, for comic books, you either have to keep it relatively simple. And I, I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give them a pass. Have you seen Legend They've of the Ten got, Rings? No. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen Black Widow. I haven't seen um, Legend of the Ten Rings. I haven't seen... Do you have Disney Plus? Yes. Black Widow is on Disney Plus for the regular subscription. I heard. So I watched it again with my kiddos. I took my daughters to go see it the first time. So we watched it again, and I was like, yeah, still, uh, you know, it's a pretty terrible movie. But it hits all the fan service stuff. You know, it like, it's still, a, it's still it, it is the most conventional of conventional Marvel movies. I just wish it came, I wish it was a little bit shorter and came eight years ago. Okay, let me, why am I saying okay a lot? Don't worry, I'll edit right. it out. I'm saying, all right, what is, like, this is so weird. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can't help it. Eternals, Thor 2, Captain Marvel, Iron Man 2, Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. That's my number five. Just a paint-by-numbers movie. It was still fun, but blah. Why Thor Ragnarok was so good and interesting was, I don't think it's really paint-by-numbers for the most part. It is to the extent that it is an MCU film. Yeah. So there are certain things that they have to do, which is part of the fun. Connecting it to the bigger MCU. There's only, you know, it's a superhero film. Got to fight a bad guy. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Can't go wrong. Yeah. I'm willing to. They're going to have a pass for me until. What's the next movie? Is it Spider-Man? Yeah, I think so. And that's December? I believe. Coming up. That is. It's that and then multiverse madness or whatever excited about that it basically i think i'm willing to let it also COVID has messed all this up i think to the extent that internals was supposed to come out first right uh, i don't know i don't remember uh so i think basically up until eternals they have a pass for me for their stuff and then if spider-man is bad if mult if dr strange is bad I'm willing to watch Loki again and WandaVision if there is such a thing. I doubt there will be, but it'll be kind of hit and miss for me from there on out, I think, if those things aren't good. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the time has come. It's a new BetterHelp read. So this episode of Catching Foxes is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If you're a fan of this podcast, it's odds are it's either A, your job, or B, a breakup. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's true. It's super fast. It's pretty awesome. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. I think this is one of my favorite parts of what BetterHelp offers, because if you're having, so you have a sex addiction or you're you're struggling with what else do people have addictions to you know um jeopardy they've got the right people who can help you with uh in in the right areas and i think that's very very cool this service is available for clients worldwide so all of our uk friends you guys are good you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist you'll get timely thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy and i know all of our 
introverts on here love that. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and love this fact right here, financial aid is available. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Uh, I love this. It's over at betterhelp.com slash slash reviews. But if you are ready to go, go to betterhelp.com slash foxes. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash foxes and join over 2 million people. That is a lot. I mean, you know, not as many downloads as we have, but still 2 million people is a lot who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. They are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for Catching Foxes listeners. That's you. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes and get 10% off your first month. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. Also, uh, meta podcast time. Just want to inform you, this is a small meta podcast time. Mm-hmm. Just when you think Eastern Europe is done with catching foxes. Oh, no. What happened? We have started to reverse course in Lithuania, and we're back. Not only are have we never left the top 200 of religion and spirituality, which is the broader category than just religion or uh, just Christianity, but we're now in like the top 100, something like that, of in Lithuania of all religion and spirituality podcasts, <laughs> which I have yeah. to tell you, Lithuania does not bode well for your spiritual life, but definitely no. bodes well for your coolness life. I'm very proud of you guys. Glad to see you step up. It's been a rough hundred years to keep it going. But you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> Man. Uh, Lithuania. Thank you. Look at you. Look at you, Lithuania. Look at that. Lithuania. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, but hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, we're in the top 100 of the shittiest genre in all of podcasting. Woohoo! In Lithuania. Just think about all those preachers with their sermons mm-hmm. and how we're in competition with the most successful pastors who. <laughs> Who have media teams. And what do we have? We have a guy who doesn't know how to edit the levels correctly for the volume. That's what we got. The old Michael Gormley. We got a guy who keeps saying, okay, okay, all right. So, okay, okay, okay. We have a severe lack of preparation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Two guys who are chronically tired all the time. Yeah, seriously. You wouldn't be so tired, sir, if you just slept and ate, right? Shut up. Shut up and give me my um, beer. Also, soda. Also, <laughs> coffee. Also, sleepy time tea. Also, jalapeno chips. <laughs> They're so good. Uh, I, so I did my little presentation for our buddy uh, Gregory and his Boston his class at Boston College. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? And it was so much fun. That guy is such a cool dude. And it was the class was fun. And this one girl had, had a question like, so do you guys like base your downloads off of, sorry, do you guys like were to, did we do more topics based upon our um, downloads? If, if we see that we have a high download for like a certain thing, do we, you know, yeah. adjust our content accordingly? And I just laughed and went, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> we were on top of things. Maybe we got to be no, true I, to I, us, I, man. We got to be true had, to us. I had a good answer because I did. I do, and I think it was the, the correct answer. It's not completely like we don't pay attention, but there's a big part of us that's just like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and now let's take a break from Luke's rambling to talk about our friends over at Choose Life. That's ChooseLife.com. 
Their mission is to grow devotion to the rosary. They have silicon rosaries for little ones, beautiful gemstone rosary bracelets for women, and simple wooden rosary bracelets for manly men. We design our rosary so that it can be possible every single person to pray the rosary each day, regardless of how young they may be or how busy their lives are. Rosaries and more amazing products can be found on their website, ChooseLife.com. Every Friday of November, they are launching new products and offering promotions leading up to their big Black Friday sale. November 12th, that's today, is the launch of their St. Andrew Novena bracelet. November 19th, next Friday, our winter collection launch. Limited edition products, including brand new silicon rosaries, gemstone rosary bracelets, and more. So what you want to do is use the code CATCHINGFOXES10. All one word for 10% off your purchase. That's catching foxes 10 for 10% off your purchase. Thank you to our good friends over at Choose Life, of which both me and Luke and Dave Van Vickle are big fans of and a purchase of stuff for our friends on our own. So thank y'all at ChooseLife.com for sponsoring this show. I uh, guess what I'm doing on Friday. Okay. Okay. Give me a hint. The United States. You are becoming a U.S. citizen, finally! I know, right? Turn, turns out, Canadian all, all along. <laughs> turns out, Soviet sleeper agent. Who knew? R- real Who bummer. Knew? Born real in the bummer. 80s. You ever just stop and think how many... T- oh, I finished the Eisenhower biography, so very excited about that. Mm. Uh, you ever stop and think about how many times we've come close to just, you know, all-out um, nuclear war? Uh, yes, I was thinking about that about 20 minutes ago. As me and my kids were finishing X-Men First Class as they turned their nuclear weapons <laughs> on the shores of Cuba to annihilate the mutants, which makes no sense. But I love the scene where the coin, the Nazi coin, goes through the Nazi mutant head. Uh, it's so good. So good. Oh, man. Anyways, yeah, it's been a lot. Uh, twice Eisenhower told the Joint Chiefs no on their – they fully – I'm recommending that he use nukes, and he said no. And uh, my, oh, my. Woo. My oh my. It is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing that when you have a weapon, you really kind of want to use it. Well, and I, I also think if I do wonder if those guys were in his shoes, would they make the same call? Yeah. My one thing about dystopian science stuff, and uh, oh, I'm yawning. This is great podcasting. Um, I'll edit it out. Don't reference it. <laughs> okay. Like you're supposed to edit the it out. Lithuanians the- <laughs> love this shit. <laughs> Okay, Lithuania. you keep it going they for Lithuania. <laughs> Sorry. They didn't endure uh, the Iron Curtain so you and I could yawn and complain. True. Lithuania deserves better. Are, are you sure you're not con- confusing them with Latvia? Yes. Yes, okay. we are okay. out sure. of the Latvian uh, running completely. Screw you, Latvians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're going this way. To the Lithuanians. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you dump us? Oh, oh. Well, that's oh, okay. Because oh, no, no. a younger, prettier version of you, <laughs> known as Lithuania, <laughs> thinks we're the hotness. So, so bye. Yeah. They like this cool car that we can afford. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Man, we're going through a midlife crisis, and we're dating Lithuania. <laughs> Feels good. All hey, right, so at um, least it's not hmm. Ukraine. Am I right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My cousin's from there. Shh. I apologize. That's okay. He's fine. He he doesn't listen. Um, So what the heck are we saying? That's right. The Soviets. Nuclear war. No. So I 
I, I do like with us with your science dystopians and whatnot. Sometimes I think they're a little bit too bleak about humanity. And there's some people who think that the nuclear, like the atom bomb, was not the beginning of a thing. It was just almost. It was actually the conclusion of something. And what we are living in is the aftermath. And there's a reason why we have it. Um, we have it. I'm used it since because actually. It's a little bit of the goodness of the human race who knows, hey, this is actually too too far, so we won't go there again. Now, could it happen again? We have to assume that it could or that it will or it would. Or at how? I don't know. But The U.S. does war games, right? And uh, they were doing these war games with Iran, not literally with Iran, but with other U.S. opponents as if they were Iran, right? So you come up with all these strategies, all these scenarios, and – it was essentially a U.S. invasion of Iran like we invaded Iraq. And every single time there was this war game, I think they ran the scenario six different times, the U.S. resorted to nuclear weapons rather than lose. And it's just, you know, thank God, it's just a war game stuff, it's just strategizing. But it's really sad when you realize that the U.S. military brass are like, ah, screw it, nuke them all. See, look, I won. <laughs> But did you? We sure it's cancer for all, but you know we <laughs> we want yeah it um ugh. yeah I'm sorry I genuinely don't have anything oh actually I, that's not true at all I do have one thing okay I, Luke. I'm an idiot Luke's an idiot yeah oh 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 I need to do uh buy yourself a Luke oh really yes quick. twenty dollars under the apple pie cherry pie a pie. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for buy yourself a Luke? Yes. I'd like to say really quick, I'm really excited. Uh, podcast guest, uh, good friend of the podcast, Anthony D'Ambrosio has a kid's book out called um, Beakle the Bird, and he's got a Kickstarter for it, and it's very, very cool, and I suggest you all uh, go and check it out. It's in the show notes. I'm very excited that he is doing that. Uh, it's awesome. It is a, a magical book for large families, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy for him that that, um, that he's able to do that. Before we go into the next topic, let's take a moment and talk about our sponsor, Rooted. Rooted for good. That's right. My wife loved the Rooted for Good products last time when they sent us samples that we spent all the advertising money on buying additional products. What is Rooted for Good? Premium all-natural ingredients that feel and smell wonderful and actually work. One time, when in an effort to save money, my wife made soap and such, and it uh, didn't last. didn't last because uh, it was gross. <laughs> so these premium all-natural ingredients actually are wonderful and actually work. Love them. 10% off every purchase. Get this. Not just 10% of the profits. This is a very different, bold commitment on the part of Rooted for Good. Goes to uplifting the poor in developing communities. 10% of every purchase. Amazing skincare products for both men and women. You got bath soaks. You got sugar scrubs, as well as therapeutic-grade essential oils and diffusers. And let me tell you, I have them in my office because someone criticized my office at work as, quote, smelling like boy. So now I am, in fact, diffusing this stuff, and it is amazing. Now it's the Christmas season. Tis the season, my good friends. Rooted has incredible gift sets to treat your loved ones to. Not just yourself, although you should also get it for yourself, with gift packaging options. I don't know if you're like me and you don't know how to wrap presents. They do it for you. Also, 
So many of the Rooted products are perfect stocking stuffers, like your favorite essential oil fragrance or their amazing hand cream made from real beeswax and frankincense. Get you in that holiday mood. Where do you find this stuff? You go to foxes.rootedforgood.com. You'll get 10% off your purchases. That's foxes.rootedforgood.com. Perfect timing for the holidays. Thanks to the fine folks over at Rooted for Good for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Uh, uh, all right, I've got a topic, but if you've got stuff, okay, I, got stuff. I have I have four questions for you. Okay. You call oh your friends, and I'll call my friends, and we'll get together and dance like no one's watching. Wisdom and Wonder is now on sale. That's exciting. Get it on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Wisdom What's and that? Wonder, my book, my chapter, the chapter in my book. I'm sorry, I'm the worst friend. I'm like, what? What is that? Huh? Huh? Okay, so Luke, you are finished with a biography of Eisenhower. That was I am. Now you are choosing a new book. I recommended you do a classic known as the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you took that suggestion, but what are you doing next? I did. Yeah, I bought I bought the Iliad, so I'm going to read that. Yes. Now the only problem is I want to actually read that, which I which I'm going to have some more time coming up here. After uh, school ends, I only have like a couple more weeks left of my one class, and like a you know, I, I'm basically I'm done with school with with in a month, and I'm done with um, one class in about two weeks, which is terrifying. I bought that book to read over the month of December, and then I got another Audible book for uh, my car ride because I don't want I'm trying to just cut down a little bit on the amount of podcasts that I am I'm, I'm listening to, but I did get some cool podcast suggestions. I'm going to be taking. Uh, I'm going to take take a look at and whatnot have you ever uh, heard of um senlin ascends no okay so basically i wanted to try i'm not a big i'm not um in to fantasy or anything like that you know because uh not a nerd um but i wanted to break branch out maybe try some more basically i want to have a game of thrones experience with a book that's actually going to like a book series that's going to be done and i need to get the i need a game of thrones palette cleanser cuz the tv show broke my heart oh so 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 much i mean you we've talked about before how basically oh no one talks about game of thrones any anymore yeah and it went from being like the height of the culture to like it's just gone and i think that's insane the only thing that's going to help is if the book comes out which you know who knows i looked on i typed onto reddit and i said what's the most like underrated what's the most under like fantasy um book series out there and someone said the books of babel have you heard of this i have not but i am on josiah bancroft's audible page and i have the books of babel book one senlin ascends Yes, that's what I'm going to be. I'm listening to in my car just for fun, but I'm not going to like really stick with it. Um, it'll be kind of like, hey, when I'm done with podcasts, here, here, here's an audible. And if unless I get hooked, but uh, in terms of, but the um, the Iliad is the one that is my priority, though. Cool. Okay. Well, what should yeah. I do? What should I do? What do you think I should do? I I really recommend you uh, listen to a biography. All right, a biography of Hans Urs von. B- no, okay, no. I, I mean, please, a life well worth examining. It truly. I just, I, I've actually have a little thing in Apple Notes where I write down what are the traits of this person that I'd like to incorporate in my own life, or what are these things that I admire about them, and uh, I just think it's interesting. Should I get Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, which was recommended by one of our fans? 
uh, yeah, someone said it was good. And I mean, he's just crazy enough to, that he might be able to um, write a book or it, it was just ghost written. Yeah. My guess is the latter. He's He's got a lot of money, so smokes a lot of weed and has a lot of money. So I'm like not convinced that he actually is very productive, but perhaps he is. I could be totally wrong. Do you think he's a good looking man? Who are we talking about? Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Like yeah, if course. he walked into a room, would you be like, oh, that guy is c- cool looking? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Uh, come on, man! Give me a give me a oh, a bio. I don't know. I am so tired. <laughs> I don't know. Pick one. Just pick a historical guy. You'll find a good book written about him. Okay, who do you want to like? Who do you want to learn about? Who who fascinates you? Who fascinates me? What? Pe- okay, actually, actually, scratch it. What period of time fascinates you? Ancient Rome. Uh, okay. Ancient China. Never okay. done a deep dive into the Chinese dynasties. Uh, medieval Japan, feudal Japan, fascinating. Mm-hmm. 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 Let me think here. The future, space. Uh, okay, no, you don't let me do that. Uh, what other time period? Yeah, I think. Or like historical events. I think like Roman, pre-Christian Rome is fascinating to me. You know, people with disabilities. Hmm. I'm just kidding. That's a category oh, in biographies and memoirs on Audible. Uh, adventurers, explorers, and survival, art and literature, cultural and regional, diaries and correspondence, entertainment and celebrities. Let me tell you what I'm not excited about. Celebrities. How funny. Oh, you know what? You know what? I think <gasps> maybe Born Standing Up. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't listened to Born Standing Up, you need to listen oh. to that. That's a, yes, 100%. That is a different experience. Yeah, I should definitely do this. Oh, it's only four hours. Yeah, but no, I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's basically Steve Martin doing stand-up for one last time. No? No, 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 no. Uh, sorry. Don't don't mistake my <laughs> abrupt silence for denying you. I was reading stuff. <laughs> what <does he> say? <laughs> don't mistake my appetite for apathy. <laughs> do not mistake my appetite for apathy. Okay, well, I'll do that. That's cool. The third film, and uh, Luke's gonna go. Oh yeah, he was one of them. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna put down for my biography, "Born Standing Up." I've been wanting to read that for a long time. I mean, that's an autobiography, but it's fine. It works. Oh, it is an yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, what's the next novel I should read, Luke? I think you should read "How Lucky." I really liked it. <sighs> I'm not okay. saying it's the best, and there's some things that's probably going to make you mad, but I, I honestly thought it was kind of interesting. What is How Lucky? So How Lucky is a book I read by Will Leach from the Garrison and Leach podcast. He started Deadspin. He's a sports and film writer, and it's a novel about a guy who has an advanced form, I believe, of Lou Gehrig's Damn disease, uh, <laughs> ALS or uh, ASL. I forget exactly what you call it. but it, ALS. Uh, yeah, super fascinating, super interesting. Um, this guy's in a, on a wheelchair, and he can't really talk, and he sees a girl get into a car, and then she um, uh, goes missing. Hmm. And so it's, a, it's like one week in that life. And it's it's he is a wonderful writer. I thoroughly enjoy hmm. I subscribe to his sub stack. I just, I just really, really like him. I really enjoyed the book. It's not a perfect book. There are some things that I didn't like, but I think for the most part, it's really good. Now, I do have, um, I'm, I'm putting all these down in my list that I'm making. So, how luppy, how luppy, how <laughs> luppy, <laughs> how lucky. But then there's a book coming out soon, the book of 
The Book of Joe. What is that? It is the conclusion of the Forgotten Ruin series, book five of five, about U.S. Army Rangers in the future, which is actually the Lord of the Rings past. Is a sci-fi fantasy book that I love more than life itself. It's called The Book of Joe? The last one is called The Book of Joe. The main character, his name is Joe, and he is a linguist. So they bring him along, and he never feels like he's good enough to be an army ranger, but he actually becomes good enough just as he grabs a bomb and goes off a cliff in order to save everyone's life. And his book that he's been writing to detail all of these events, they call it The Book of Joe. So I think that's what they'll, but they're going to see if they can save him because the, the rest of the Rangers are going to go and try to try to find him. They're going to try to find Joe. All right. History. Let's think of history right, book. History book. Uh, so you want something on ancient Rome? Yeah, you, you should. I don't really know a lot about that time period, to be honest with you. It's probably one of my least Ooh. studied time periods. I know a I know enough really? to be dangerous, but like not to like I can like recommend a book to you or an author on that time period. Now, if you want to talk about um, American history, I'm your boy. This sounds cool. Nero and the fire that ended a dynasty. Ooh, it has the word fire in it. <laughs> well, I like fire. Uh, okay, so I got how lucky, and then convergence as my novels. God book. What's your god book? Uh don't have one. Oh, symptom. <laughs> <laughs> that was golden. I, I I would recommend Paul a New Covenant Jew, but I understand that not everyone wants to read such a book. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. How about uh, Take the Stairs? That sounds like a good religion book for the 20th, 21st century. Dude, how about that sick Von Balthazar quote that I sent you the I other know. day? I about- love that quote. I love that quote. That's that's the whole that's the crux of the anima technique of Vacua right there, my friend. So okay, uh, Tim, listener to the show, fan of the show, Tim, Texan boy, good dude. He sent me a message and he said, "Is this really the only place where Hansers von Balthasar mentions the anima technica Vacua?" And I said, uh, "I don't know." And I said, "Here's a podcast where that Luke keeps quoting." And so I sent him the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast, and he replied, yeah, they just, and I couldn't, I didn't listen to it. And he said, yeah, they just, they just said it's the only time he ever mentions it. Yeah, I believe so. Why does Luke make such a big deal? Because I think it's, well, a a couple things. And I am, I am no Balthasar scholar, so please, please, please. But allow me to talk about it. I do have a podcast. (laughs) The book that it's in is his last book. Epilogue. I kind of think it seems to me like a like is the way he. Um, there's another. Looks tonight. Hmm? <laughs> you said the way he, and I said looks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you keep throwing me off. I know. I'm sorry, and I love it. So I think in that same passage, I I, I would have to look at this again. There's that line about art, and it's it's there. It's it's right around that part. It's the one that like my you bought me the frame and the picture. You remember? Okay. No. Okay. Do you have that book? Yeah, on my Kindle right now. Can you pull it open to that page? Yes, the page with the Anima Technica Vacuum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think go like Boop. like keep reading after that. I'm I'm a quarter of the way through the book on Ima. Keep reading after or before because it comes right at the end of the chapter. Uh, I don't remember integration as a method, which I loved. Um, oh, oh, okay, okay. So here's the quote. This might be a, a, like a different quote, but I think this is what he's getting at here. 
Okay. My very limited understanding of this is that it is in his works if you look for it, this idea. So here's a quote from Love Alone is credible, apparently. Well, let me just, I want to make sure, I don't, I'm I'm not going to base this off of a Facebook group. (laughs) So give me a second here. Oh, this is such a long thing. But wherever the um, relationship between um, nature and grace is torn, is uh, torn asunder in the sense of the af- aforementioned dialectal opposition between um, knowledge and faith, the worldly being will um, unnecessarily fall under the sign of the constant dominion of knowledge and thus science. Technology and cybernetics will overpower and um, suffocate the um, forces of love within the world. The result is a world without women, without children, without reverence for the form of love in poverty and humility, a world in which everything is viewed solely in terms of power or or profit margin, in which everything that is disinterested and gratuitous and and like useless is despised, persecuted, and wiped out, and even art is forced to wear the mask and features of technique. Mm. And what was that from? Uh, that's from Love Alone is is credible. Gotcha. What a great book. So do you see, so, okay, so read the quote about the anima technica vacua. So severe is this situation that most teachers of religion ask with equal justice just who these ruins are whom we should try to meet against their will. Where are they? A missionary toiling in the savannas of Africa or on the atolls of the Pacific has it relatively easy. He encounters a perhaps primitive anima naturalita, naturaliter christiana. You call it the the soul of a natural Christian. What might come across to the native as pure theological Chinese, he can easily translate into the simplest of languages. But where is the famous point of contact with the anima technica vacua? I, for one, certainly do not know. Some table wrapping, a seance or two, some dabbling in Zen meditation, a smattering, a smattering of liberation theology, enough. Gosh, I love that line. I think he's talking about the same thing. Okay. He's going about it in different ways, but from things that I have read and things I've, and I, I'm so not prepared to talk about this. I could be completely wrong. So Father John Umnepel, feel free to call me to tell me I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure when he's talking about, because from what I have read, when he's referring to the uh, ATV, it's a split between grace and nature, or um, knowledge and faith, or theology and um, uh, uh, theology and philosophy. So the result of all of this is the ATV. Anima Technica Vacua. Yeah, it is a world which the only thing that really gives anything any sort of um, form is techne. And he, what like he's saying to in, in, the, in the quote that like I read is when you have that, you really have a world that the only thing that really um, matters is like science, tech, and, you know, um, you like cybernetics. Well, oh, I, I mean, it's kind of horrific to think about it. Will like almost suffocate the um, the um, forces of love with with within the world, and that's where you get a world without women, without kids, without a reverence for for form of love and poverty, and like in like uh, uh, you know um like humility, in which everything is just it's about like power and it's like a bell it's a like a bellic prophet and art and source i mean it's just it to me it hits it's like right on the it's basically what's going on and this is why i think for most people and most churches evan- evangelization is actually insanely hard when we think it should be insane i saw it in the glenn mary um, founders writings 
he thought going to um he thought going out to like rural areas would be easier to evangelize because they haven't been they weren't corrupted by like the knowledge that people had with in the cities and stuff they didn't have the temptations that they had there they were more there were more ungodly people out there and they found it to be actually very hard and i think this is why because we think we're all um, different, but we're all coming out of the same culture where this is the form of the culture, which is ultimately nothing. It's an empty void of techne. Mm. You know, speaking of empty void of techne, yesterday I was watching a series of YouTube interviews with Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And the first one was on Elon Musk explains rocket science. And it, it was fun. It was cool. I had actually seen the interviews, but... Uh, this person like chopped him up and and stuff, and it was kind of cool to hear him dumb it down for us for us uh, peasants. But then the follow up, someone asked him, "Well, what's your obsession with getting to space and getting to Mars?" And he didn't say the typical thing that he usually says, which is, "Well, you know, with the clock winding down on Earth, whether it's an asteroid or nuclear war or climate change or whatever it's going to be." eventually this planet is done for or very nearly so so it just makes sense to be at least a two-planet species if we're going to endure so that's his typical response but this time he just said well going out there going out to the stars going out into the galaxy into the universe like don't you understand that being out of the stars that's the future of mankind i don't it's what gives people life and meaning it's it's what you wake up in the morning for Mm mm-hmm And then he said, I don't know if life has meaning unless our destiny's in the stars. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm listening, I'm like, okay, you can take a Christian turn, a destiny in the stars. You mean heaven? But that's not what he was saying. And I think. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. Right. And that's the sadness that that I felt like this, this insatiable drive for meaning was I will find it when we go out there. And here's the thing. That it, it, this is like I think the mortal sin of of masculinity. Like we tend to define ourselves by our achievements. For him, all of humanity's worth and value is defined by the whole series of grandiose achievements it takes to get a ship and a species and a colony and space stations and all of that jazz out there. If I don't have inner peace in here, seeking that out there among the stars literally means we're just going to bring our violence into the stars. Right? Like, that's all it means. Technology can't save us. They're just going to make us more of a jackass. The key is is that it comes from the split of, like, of grace and nature. Because, like, we lived in a world where everyone, like, that is, re- okay, so that is reality, right? Like, if you look at, like, what, what is reality? We live in a world where God in the world, like, God is made man. The incarnation is reality now. It is steeped in everything that we are. God like reveals himself through creation to us and through each other. And absolutely within the church, he reveals himself to us and we can encounter him in deep and real and profound ways there where like grace and nature are together. It is what it represents. Why we go to mass, we encounter our Lord in like in the Eucharist. It is no matter how terrible the liturgy is it is still the lord I'm not trying to excuse it i'm just saying that's the reality of that the world has basically said to hell with that 
like a long, long, long time ago. And so what are like you left with is this. And I don't even think it's the pursuit of science or the pursuit of knowledge. It's just the pursuit. Yeah. And when all that's left is the is the per, is the pursuit is violence, because what else do you have but to destroy to pursue a means you have to destroy and conquer because you can never stop. You can never stop. So you basically have to live on long enough to see yourself become the villain and then start over again. Yeah. The culture of reinvention. This is the danger in all of this stuff. And this is where I think a lot of um, Christians go wrong is because when they take a look at all the issues that are going on, they're pointing towards the wrong thing. And they're part of the problem because it's about power and it's about um, what people view as norms and the way the life like it almost should be like this. I'm not saying that I don't agree with them, but like you're prim- like you're still coming from the wrong spot. So it never works. Which is what I think Balthasar is talking about there when he says, if, you, where, if you're steeped in this, I don't know if encounter is actually possible. Of course, um, Jesus Christ can break through that. I'm not trying to say that God can't. But think of how many, think of the amount of Catholics who have been to Mass, who have been to Catholic schools, who have spent careers at um, Catholic schools, who have said, I've never really had an encounter with God, or I've never quite had the opportunity to really go deep. Well, why is it? Well, because the church has been a thing that has been wearing this. It's been about like what I know and like what I do. It's helped me have good handwriting. Tell me have a good work ethic. It's helped me do that. Those are all good things. But when you tear them out of reality, which is grace and the nature, the in- scandal of the incarnation, when you pull it away from all of that, all you're like oh, left with is just stuff. Mm. Like we've basically taken this and we've closed it in Catholicism. And we just and we're just trying to like repackage it and like I'm gonna repackage it and just I'm gonna repackage it and it never seems to work. And I genuinely believe that this is why. With all my being, I believe that um, this is why. When uh, von Balthazar brought up that phrase, it was kind of in response to someone he was quoting, a guy named Hans Meyer, and he said, Hans Meyer said, whether in this age of media we are handing on a cultural legacy and a religious faith. And if not, whether we will finally lose, not, whether we will not finally lose with the lost language, our very ability to hear and see anything at all. And it is shocking to me how listening to these people talk about media, and they just meant broadcast television. Mm-hmm. This was even before cable television. Mm-hmm. I know they meant broadcast television. How it was owning people's minds. They're probably radio. With, you know, multiple radio stations and constantly broadcast more, that you're not interacting with people. You're just consuming and consuming things on your own, you know? Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I think about the the ritual of that, uh, what's his name, Father um, oh, Gregory Pine brought up on one of these Pints of the Aquinas where it's just him. He was talking about, maybe it was God's planning. It was one of his podcasts where he was talking about how great it is to fight. Like when people are trying to think of a funny, like, oh, who was that person in? Oh, that person was in Tommy Boy. Oh, no, they weren't in Tommy Boy. They both, yeah, yeah, they were. They were, they did the blah, blah, blah. You know how like you go back and forth in this and now we're like, hold on, let me just go to IMDb. And he said, you're not, you don't really care about the answer. It's fun to do the playing back and forth with people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and, and, and you're demonstrating your knowledge, you're demonstrating your cultural whatever, 
But now we don't get to do that. We just pull out a device, and the device tells us the answer, and then we move on. And I think that's fascinating. And the other thing I think is fascinating is how easy it is for kids to check out. Like, you know how, like, cool kids are, like, the apathetic ones? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to not be apathetic about almost everything in the age of the phone. In the age of earbuds, everyone wears an earbud. Everyone puts it in. You know, they go through their whole day at school with their earbuds in, right? Like you have all of these things kind of going on, and you're and they never unplug. They never unplug ever. Yeah, I don't think they know. I don't think they know what to do with themselves if they did. I think. And tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Balthazar seems to be hinting at the end there with his last line. Enough. I love that. It's just kind of it feels like a, like a, like a, like an old man being like, "What is wrong with you people?" Yeah. Um, the television stuff. He's not being like, "Z and TV is killing the kids." He's it is a symptom. It is a symptom of this of this greater issue here. It's their soma. It's just you know. It's and uh, it's their soma. The way that we use technology, of course, it matters and how we limit it and how we get rid of it and all this stuff. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But until you – the deep, deep root of it is this, the split between grace and nature and how it impacts and has impacted everything. Yeah. When you start to see it, it's really freaky because mm. it – um. The only way I think to like this is where I think things like encounter. I'm like maybe I should be a little bit more patient. I, I don't know how else you get back to this to be able to like. Sis, I think there's a couple ways. One, having a sacramental church, and having uh, like having a sacramental homes, having a sacramental lives. That's what I'm very excited about. Uh, about like um Father Harrison's new 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 book Mysterion. I'm super pumped about it because it's all about that. And I think that's a way to start to reclaim that reality a bit so you can um, see it in different ways. Plus, I hear that the endorsement on the inside is great. <laughs> and then um, – and two is through – is like, you know, like that's how God can like, reveal himself, I think, to us through that in more profound ways. Like I thought about when I was, you know – at Notre Dame, just the emphasis they have on community and how um, sacramental that aspect is and how, like, what um, makes it are, like, all my friends that are in the program. I'm going to see a couple at, at the end of this week, and I'm just so pumped. And I was just on the phone with one. Um, and it, it that's a real thing. That's a real thing that, like, bonds a friendship right there. And that group you have and that encounter that we're all going through together as we're doing this thing that is like rooted in the church there's a sacramental aspect to that that's like i won't ever forget the one of the night before our first big day we we had um dinner over um at like marty's place and i was just like this is exactly why i'm doing this is this moment right here but like i'm i'm sharing this with these people and i'm engaging in it right now and like how sacramental is this this is awesome um, that what you're when you have your potlucks at your guys' house when you when you have the muck and thallers open when you have all your friends and you're we're doing those things that's it and then so that's where God reveals Himself and and oh within that and also in other ways opportunities for God to for God to heal and this is where like the rubber meets 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 the road and this is where I have the hardest part it's opening myself up to um, this healing here because it's it's um, that's if we believe in the in in the if we believe in the incarnation then that means that we 
have to believe in everything from that up until the resurrection. I mean, f- I mean, everything after that that like Christ does all of like all then that means all of the miracles and all and all of the healings and everything that he calls people to because that's the only way to stay on to, to stay like rooted in that I think is if you are constantly I'm living out the beatitudes and like constantly encountering God and I'm starting to I will yield the floor to you good sir tell me what you think <laughs> man I'm just learning there's so much here there's so much good stuff in um so for for those of you who don't know, Hansers von Balthasar wrote a multi-volume work on the three transcendentals of truth, beauty, and goodness, the theologic, the theodramatic, and the aesthetics. And it's I think the whole thing is the whole thing called the glory of the Lord or just the aesthetics. I don't know. Whatever. So he writes these multi, multi, multi-volumes, and it's so huge that in order to write an epilogue, he has to write another book. <laughs> so the epilogue is a standalone book, and it's just crazy. This guy is comprehensive. So what the section of the book that he's writing in epilogue is about when we talk about the, the spermatos logos or logoi, Wait. the seeds of the words scattered throughout all world religions. And he's bringing it up within the, the context what? of the seeds of the word, the spermatos, right? <laughs> There it is. There it is. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. no, no. You're beautiful. <laughs> Scattered throughout yeah. all of these different religions, and it's a very common thing going back to the church fathers of like our points of contact with these world religions. We have to find them in our apologetics, make common ground, and build from there. That's what the early church fathers did. They didn't just walk around condemning everyone. They looked for points of contact, and it's within this thing that he says, "Okay, so we have these points of contact. What do we do with?" this modern time what do we do with this thing called the media that's not necessarily a religion quote unquote it it functions as something that i mean it's 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 blinding ideology right yeah yeah and so he he's asking you what are these somewhat sarcastically how do you attach to the soul of nothing right the soul of technology is empty right anima soul technica Technology, you know, all, all the stuff that has to go with that. Vacua is a vacuum. It's empty. And so how do we approach how do we approach a, a culture like this that constantly drifts? And the sad thing is, like, it's in front of me now that I'm doing youth ministry in like shocking ways. Like they sit there, these kids, these suburban wealthy kids, and they're staring at me, mm-hmm. and they all have the newest earpods in right the 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 airpods pro they all have them in and they're all just looking at you like you're an idiot and i'm like what are you listening to like megan three stallion like i'm an idiot but that's your music like i'm an idiot but that's what you are feeding yourself continuously something that literally in five years people would be like who Megan, what? No one will remember most of the pop music that people surrender themselves to. And it's so empty and meaningless. Like, there, there is obviously with the art form, like, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but like, there's plenty within art that is so empty and meaningless. Like, one of my favorite things is, uh, you know, one of these famous artists, I can't remember who it was, took a toilet and wrote modern art, and it sold for like, hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's all it is you know you go to these art exhibits where they lay socks on the floor and it's like oh it took our artist six hours to lay these gym socks on the floor 
And you're like, I don't even, what the hell, what the hell does that even mean? And so we start to look at like the emptiness of this culture and we're looking for permanent things. Like I don't blame people for becoming Marxist because it's like, well, at least you believe in something. I mean, shit. Well, and at the very least, I mean, I'm not trying to defend on Marxism at all. Something that at least is like to help others in theory. I guess. Right. I don't know. That's giving Hey, you generous. know what the best part is? I just typed in Anima Technica Vacua, mm-hmm. and the episode where we first talked about it is catchingfoxes.fm slash 102. Yeah. And it says, Explosive Anima Technica Vacua, and they're all with exclamation points. But the show art is just a picture of Michael Voris in mid talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes no sense. I love us. <laughs> We need to slow down. We need to back off. We need to unplug from the Anima Technica Vacua. And that is exactly what Monk Manuals can help you do. Monk Manuals is an incredible company. They emphasize that these manuals are not a productivity tool. It's meant to help people live in an integrated spiritual life and bring God into their daily action. It is built on the best practices that you'll find in productivity and psychology of human flourishing, but also the Catholic tradition of spiritual growth and wisdom. I mean, I'm telling you, this gets you to slow down, think about your day, your week, and your month. It's it's an excellent, high-quality material. You want to have this with you. You'll take it to adoration. You'll have it with your prayer. You open it up, track habits, track all sorts of stuff. I wrote to them asking them to send it to me two months before this ad read so I could thoroughly get used to it. Now, first, I was a little bit intimidated because there's a lot going on. But once you break it down into the month, the week, and the day, and you realize this is to get human beings to slow down and actually think about where they are, unplug from the rat race and the anima technica vacua, and realize where they really are. And not only this, but they also have a sprout journal for children. This is great for getting kids to slow down and actually teach them a practice of reflection and solitude at an early age. I gave mine to my daughter, Cecilia, and she loves it. When do we give kids time to contemplate who they are and what the gift of their life is and will be? My favorite thing is it helps them build gratitude for the day. Now, this is written for 8 to 12-year-olds primarily to gain a better rooting that can only come from silence and reflection. Our technology is meant to capture and consume, to consume and capture but we rarely ever reflect. The Sprout Journal, the Monk Manual, these things can help you slow down, be more reflective, and be rooted truly in virtue. You're going to want to head on over to monkmanual.com, and you can use the code FOXES for up to 10% off through the end of the year. That's use the code FOXES for 10% off through the end of the year. You're going to love this. It's going to bring thoughtfulness. It's going to slow down your life. Thanks to our friends over at monkmanual.com for sponsoring this show. Let me, when you're talking about the, the response to it, I think this quote is interesting. So I'm going to try to get, and this is Balthasar, so good luck making sense of any of this. But if we view creation with the eyes of love, then we will understand it, it being creation, I think, or everything. 
despite all the evidence that seems to point to the absence of love in the world. We will understand the ultimate purpose of creation, not only the purpose of its essence, which we seem to make some sense of through the various intelligible relate. Okay, I'm going to skip that part. But the purpose of its existence in general, for which no philosophy can otherwise find a, um, a sufficient reason. Why, in fact, is there something rather than nothing? Mm. The question remains open regardless of whether one affirms or denies the, the existence of an absolute being. So again, why is there, why in fact, is there um, something um, uh, um, rather than, than um, nothing? If there is no absolute being, what reason could there be for these finite ephemeral, E-P-H-E-M- ephemeral, um, ephemeral, ephemeral, I'm so it tired. means like ghost-like, I know, ghost-like, I know. ephemeral things in uh, things. Exist. Will, you st- will you start over again without laughing? I can seamlessly splice it. Just the ephemeral things. Ephemeral uh, things exist in the... (laughs) I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. Ephemeral things exist in the midst of nothing. Things that that could never add up to the absolute as a whole or evolve into it. This is so Balthasar. What was that from? This is from... So this is the next paragraph in in Love Alone is Credible. Right. So I, I, I think he's on to something. I don't know. Um, with that idea of like through the lens of love, like view. And, but the, the hard part is like the way we even define love has gotten so messed up. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just another thing to consume. But I, I, I think I, I do wonder, though, that it might be just in this like talking about why, in fact, why is there something rather than nothing? Because that's an interesting thing, especially why why does this exist as opposed to nothing at all if there is no point then why is there nothing then why isn't there nothing and i'm not saying that like here's the thing to like take that atheist i'm saying like that's a thing that we genuinely have to ask that if there is no point then why is there something oh hey luke i got the next topic this is going to be awesome let's go over to the discord and pull out one of the 10 minute topics maybe we can get to two this question from moira i think would be awesome what do you do when your problem isn't a lack of discipline, but an overabundance of discipline to the point of rigidity, which allows you to do well in your job as being a semi-responsible adult, but makes relationships non-existent and any joy you feel is, is, inc- is incrementally dosed out after long periods of punishing tasks designed to make me feel like I finally earned it, asking for a friend? <laughs> Um, I have some thoughts. Do you have some thoughts? Mm, okay. Yeah, this is interesting. How would you start off? So I have learned that as an adult, I can get way too into something. Shocker. But uh, truly with my time, I can spend way too much time on something. Way, way, way too much time. And this is tough because this is when my, believe it or not, I'm actually a perfectionist with a lot of stuff 
And so you can go overboard with that, just get like so zoned in. And so I've had to learn to set a time limit when I say how much will it actually, how long will it actually take me to do this? And it was Aaron who challenged me on this because for grad school, I was going way too hard in the beginning while I was, uh, um, while I was preparing for some, some stuff. And Aaron goes, you're going to die if you do this. There's just no way. And so she's like, you have to, you know, do this, this, and this, and that really helped me see how to like kind of just back off a bit. So mm. I would encourage you to maybe when, it, especially if it's cutting you out from other parts of your life, really find, ask yourself, okay, so if I split things up in the 25 minute blocks here, if I, you know, I can go for about 45 minutes, how long will this actually, cause like you'll find a way to fill the 45 minutes. That's, that's a weird thing about things is we'll find ways to fill that time. So really think out, I would say, especially if you don't have to do that at that point in time, think about how long it takes for you to actually do those things. Well, how much time do you, do you, do you um, really need? And then set a, set a time limit and say, Hey, this thing takes an hour. I sh- I can be done with this. In an hour, when you hit that, um, when you hit that hour mark, then you've got to be done. Man, I feel bad when people think that they can't make or sustain friendships or relationships because of habits of thinking. You know what I mean? Like their it's approach. Tough. She's saying like it's yep. her, it's, it's her whole approach to life. She's very disciplined mm-hmm. to the point of rigidity. So if you're rigid, that means you're not flexible in your day, your calendar, your life. For me, rigidity is the exact opposite problem I have. So as an expert in going with the flow, I I would say that there's a handful of things. Okay, let me say this. When we are working on ourselves and our relationships, I think it's a a two-way street. People need to give you grace and learn to love you for you. And then at the same time, you need to work on you because you're not perfect, damn it, and you need to work on you or your friend does. And so I think that this is a constant interplay, which makes us better human persons. When we talk about being rigid and disciplined to the point of discipline is great. A lot of discipline is really great. Discipline to the point where you push people away or don't create time for people. That's where you're limiting yourself and the opportunities that are coming to you, right? You're you're necessarily going to cut yourself off from other people. And those people might be the very ones that... That, that bring you fulfillment and pleasure and joy and happiness and all that good stuff. So I would say that at the very least, you have to attack rigid thinking. It's good to be disciplined, but it's bad when it's crushing the rest of your life. So you have to find ways. Okay, so look at my day. How am I being rigid in my day? And how can I bring spontaneity and newness and compromise and let little things go like how can i actually do this in my daily life you know eventually it'll build up and with practice and stuff it'll bleed into my relationships and stuff but i would say do it in small things but if you find that your relationships are non-existent a u-turn is probably the best course of action and look for areas where you need to make yep. that U-turn. Because what does it profit a person if they have an amazing career but no friendships? You know, you might crush it at work, but you're like the devil wears Prada, right? She crushed it, but she her crushing it nature stripped her of her ability to be vulnerable. Now, that's not what she's saying, but, you know, and we need definitely a lot more information. But, man, like the the creation Poor Anne of Hathaway. what? Poor Anne Hathaway. 
poor Anne Hathaway. So the creation of opportunities or the embracing of opportunities is one of the key things that we need to do to to run away from that rigid thinking. Well, and I would just add to this um, small incremental changes. Like don't be like, and now I'm going to, I don't know, and this person could be, I don't know um, how this person is with this, but I'd really encourage you like it's just small incremental things. Like well, this week, I don't know, I'm done with work by five o'clock. I'm going to like map out my schedule where I'm done with what I, what I need to do by five. And then I'm going out with my friends, you know, or something like that. Cause it, and, and that can, it's, it's tough, especially when you get into your habits and you get into your, like there's a thing kind of happens where, especially as you get older, you find a groove and it's super hard to get out of the, out of that groove because we're all kind of set. Now you, you can, and you can find a new groove. Um, the emperor found his, uh, it just takes yeah. a little bit of yeah. work. I really like this uh, 10 minute topic from Darby. She talks about doing things in moderation and she said, but Luke and Gomer both annihilated their Twitter. So shouldn't we be more thoughtful, use things in thoughtful moderation? Is this an opportunity to exercise or am I overthinking this and should just press the delete button? What do you think about that moderation in Drinking, eating, mm-hmm. spending. What about social media? I think it can definitely work for certain people. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know I get on something again. You know, I'm already on. I activated my Facebook page just because I wanted to uh, be in touch with some event stuff for the U.S. Um, Mexico game I'm going to on Friday. Um, and it's been a little bit tempting to go back on it, but it's nowhere near as it has been. I've just I don't really even miss it. And so there's no desire to try to to try to moderate that. Uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised, perhaps, if in a couple of years, maybe I'm open to a Twitter account again and can find a way to make it work. There are other, you know, I, I think I'm actually pretty moderate with my drinking um, during the week. <laughs> um, that was supposed to be a joke. No, it was hilarious. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm probably the least a moderate when I'm drinking out with people. That, like, it's all relative. So within myself, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I don't really drink that yeah. much. Uh, but uh, I, I think it just, I don't know. I think it depends. I think for me, the social media, I think it's definitely possible to be, to be moderate with, with um, social media. I think one of the hard parts in that is that it's uh, just like, it's designed to grab your attention. And so if you're someone whose attention span or if it's, I, I listen, I know I'm some people who can like turn off on the social media like that and they're fine. They just don't log in and they're fine. Not everyone's built that way and not everyone's built that way about certain things. So like we're all, you know, we have our things we can just turn off and it's not a big deal. There are some things for us that we are going to be more, you know, we might just have like a weaker approach to because of whatever, um, our personal own makeup, our habits, our lives, you know? So if one of those, um, know thyself, uh, own moments, I think, but I, I think to say to cut off anything in your life, that's bad and to say, just cut it off and have um, no moderation at all, I, I think is wrong. But Christ also says to, you know, cut off your hand if it's causing um, you to sin. So if there's something where it's like, Hey, the best thing for this is just get, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think social media is poison and in very rare circumstances can people can people do it correctly, but at the same time it's poison because you're being sold over and over and over again to millions of companies who are building profiles on you and everything you do. And it's it's not just the social media side. It's the harvesting of all your data and thoughts and everything. And that 
I think is deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. No, and and that's <laughs> that's a good point, right? Like uh, oftentimes, I think it's like this thing of willpower and technological manipulation. But the whole point is to build databases of people to apply artificial intelligence to manipulate human behavior and outcomes all of this stuff so it's just it's it's a poison meta is a poison facebook is a poison they're all poisons because now they're just selling you if i could buy a twitter account i wouldn't be much happier with that knowing that they put in privacy protections or whatever Mm. here's another funny thing that came from our um our uh, Discord channel, patreon.com slash CF, there's a quote of me with my screamy face and my hand reaching out to the camera. And uh, Rebecca did this. Rebecca is so funny. She said, don't go to hell for all eternity because you were too busy, which is a quote from one of our episodes. And then she put Michael Gormley, Catching Foxes episode 294, quote, or title, we never forgot about you, Dr. <laughs> Dre. <laughs> And then she said, this is such a uh, catching fox. It's a, she writes, I know it's such a good quote, but then Dr. Dre, (laughs) it's a perfect catching foxes moment. It It really is. It is. And I, I, holy shit, the biggest cockroach in the world just crawled across my keyboard and desk. Holy crap. I just lost four pounds and it's sitting in my pants. (laughs) Woo. Oh, got my cool. I got my cool because my sons are asleep right above me. Aaron just told me to not come downstairs yet because Everly's asleep. And I'm like, but I'm so tired. <laughs> um, get to tell you about what I'm doing on Friday. Very excited. So Ooh, I'm going to the U.S. Uh, Mexico game for the World Cup qualifier. Very big deal. Very, very big, big deal. And uh, I'm just really pumped about it. It's going to be very fun. Going with Anthony and my buddy um, Nathan's going to go now, and uh, my buddy um, Marty's going to be there, and Brad Bursch is going, but he's sitting in a different spot, and a lot of people are going to be there. So it's a very big deal. Super pumped. Here's a good question that Rebecca asked. What is the most approachable Catching Foxes episode for people who are lapsed? Mm. Of course, her response is, there are so many inside jokes uh, and such that I wasn't sure which the best episode was. This implies that we remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. These these are all oh, their responses. Okay, that's awesome. I would love. To. Actually, I think I've already I've read this thread, but we've got the time. Interview episodes. I think that's smart. I think that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that we're going to be doing more interview shows. I I like it when when it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Manny says, I really think it's the deleted seek episode because it assumes unfamiliarity but pulls no punches. And if you don't like (laughs) the innuendo and medium spicy cynicism, then this show is probably not your jam. But alas, that episode is not on the public feed yet. It isn't? You put it on Patreon. You never put it out there. No, the lost seek episode was episode 299. Are you sure? Sorry. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Because we released it, I remember releasing it, and my Deacon uh, Deacon Mike Crawl, who's a fan of the show, he said, uh, I don't understand why they would cancel that. And I was like, no, no, no. did say oral sex. <laughs> I was so proud of myself, too. I was so proud you of were. myself. I was like, Luke, don't be a son of a bitch. And episode 270 was Latvia is better than McCarrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Gomer goes to the woodshed. Gomer yells at priests with clerically speaking. Yikes. <laughs> the emergencies are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miss Ruby crashes the show. That was fun. Ah, Gomer finishes Harry Potter. Episode 253 has a download almost of 20,000 as all time. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. It's worth so much more. What, the Harry Potter one? Yeah, man. Yeah, that was really good. It was one of my favorite episodes because it involved you. Uh, or, well, one, it involved catching foxes, obviously, in our interview with um, Rebecca. And then it involved you encouraging me to go do this. And then it involved Chris Miller giving me the the hardcore Catholic, you know, demonic cult thing spin of all of her works and just back and forth with all this and who knew that it would be Jordan Peterson that would answer all things answer I knew I knew the <laughs> whole damn time it would be Jordan Peterson and maybe a Peterson shall lead us you love Jordan Peterson I do so much alright Luke have a good night I'm hanging up I can't, I can't go on I'm so tired I'm so <laughs> know, tired me, t- me too